0: hey what's going on good people welcome back to training well done your show on the what the why and the how of quality training it's your host coach donald and i am here with a friend of mine mr farouk al-said what's going on good brother hey peace man how you doing you good oh good good it's friday i love recording these on friday like i'm in like a very good spirit about just kind of moving around and i have way less to do on friday so it's just like no pressure
1: yeah, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. How you feeling today? I'm cool, man. You know, it's been it's been a long day. It's been a maza already, but yeah, like you said, it's Friday, it's the end of the week, isn't it? So we're here.
0: Booyah! So Farouk here. He is the director of an organization called One Hood Media, who does a lot of good work here in Pittsburgh when it comes to media and arts literacy activism. Um, if you guys were following me, you saw the birthday fundraiser that I did, and so this was this is the man behind. You know, to see one of the many faces um, behind that organization, and so me and Fruit work out together. Yeah. And so he comes into the gym and he kicks my behind with different workouts, and it's been uh, really fun and inspiring. You know, watching him train, training with him, and so I wanted to bring him on the show to talk about this aspect of having robust movement as an athlete, as a person, and you know how that influences your life. So. Um, you know, welcome to the show. Do you want to drop a quick line about one hood, you know, before we kind of yeah, step so, away from that?
1: Yeah, the, the, the mission of one hood is to build liberated communities through arts and education and activism. Um, everything we do is through the lens of hip hop uh, as it shapes our narrative, as we control our narrative, as we take, con- take control of the media representation of black people and people of the global majority. Everything we do <clears throat> is done authentically. It's um, just for li- in the a, in a, in a sake and a medium of liberation of old people um you know through through the lens of hip-hop and how we work and educate
0: nice so make sure you check them out their link will be in the podcast description so you can learn more donate figure out how you can get involved so we're going to leave that part alone it's friday he won't talk about work we won't talk about working out and training what we love to do so farouk is um he's one of those people that you know there are certain people who like actually can kind of brawl a little bit. And then there are those people who are like actually dangerous. Um, he crosses that line into like the dangerous category of people that you actually don't pick with. Like there's a line of people who are dangerous that they're very nice and friendly. And so he's into that category of people that you wouldn't think would hurt you. But then, you know, like, Oh, that could go That's south. You say that because most people
1: wouldn't put me in the nice and friendly category. So I appreciate you saying that. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Maybe it's because I'm on the side of of him that, you know, I could see the friendliness. I don't know how other people feel, but, uh, (laughs) but yeah, I think you're a pretty nice fella.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: So, um, you know, let's, you you mentioned like to me, you had an MMA background, like take us through that. Like, what was that like? I started,
1: I started training in martial arts in 1991. Um, So I've been doing it now for 20, almost 28 years. Uh, I started when I was six. So that should age me a little bit. Um, And I'm 35. So um, I've been doing, you know, traditional martial arts virtually my entire life. Um, I was undefeated amateur boxer. Um, You know, I've been in combative systems and, you know, combat athlete, as it were, before that phrase is even something that was said. Um, It was just something I always enjoyed doing. Like, I just, you know, I got... I, I got into martial arts pretty much like everybody else did, watching Power Rangers and anime and also I got picked on and beat up a lot when I was younger.
0: Really? You got picked on and beat up.
1: Yeah, man. Yeah. So like I, you know, I didn't speak English and uh, you know, when I moved to the States and, you know, I got, you know, I moved to a neighborhood that was pretty rough in Miami. Um, and just, you know, it was just like, you know, they didn't pick on me for not speaking English in Miami, of course. So they just picked on me because I was a new kid and they took advantage of it, exploited it. I was fat, you know, not like obese, but I was chubby, especially, you know, for like the eighties and nineties, you know, anything that wasn't like what the doctor said you were, you got teased for. So, um, yeah, so, you know, I, I had to deal with that and just like a lot of other, you know, social issues and all that other shit that got me into martial arts. Um, and I just had an aptitude for it. I just loved it, man. I loved it. I love, to be honest, with you, I love being able to hurt somebody. Um, Like I love having that power. Um, but you know, like Spider Man, with great power comes great responsibility. You get me. So, um, I you know, I, I once I found out I had a penchant for combat, and I got really good at it. Um, and kind of as you alluded at the beginning, there's a difference between someone who knows how to fight and someone who knows how to defend themselves. Most people, it's an instinct. You know, defending yourself is a human characteristic. That's your fight or flight. That's your reptilian brain, right? Like anybody, you look at a toddler, they could throw punches and kicks in a temper tantrum. And until you refine that ability to what's second nature and you can intelligently defend yourself, you can't fight. You're just going off base responses of what your body's doing to protect itself. And that's why when people call themselves fighting out in the street, it just looks like people throwing temper tantrums. What I do is I fight. I can hurt you. I can train people to hurt each other. I can train people to have the restraint. Um, there's a, there's a knowledge that comes with martial sciences. Whether you're boxing, whether you're wrestling, whether you're doing karate, or taekwondo, or kung fu, any of that. There's a there's a science to it. There's a mathematic system. There's a there's an intelligence. There's a le- there's a lesson to be learned in anatomy. There's a lesson to be learned in like you know um, the 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 biomechanics of the human body, all of these things are comprised in that martial sciences. That's why I don't think of it as martial arts. Martial art is how you practice in in, um, martial arts, kind of like how you define your activity, right? Oh, I do karate. That's my martial art. That's my passion. I do boxing. That's my martial art. That's my passion. That's my sport. I wrestle, ray, ray, ray. The martial sciences, you actually dive into it, the why, the how, you know, the conditioning, the strength, everything is kind of encompassing in martial science and study and application of martial sciences. That's why, I, you know, like to use that terminology of it, because that's what I do. It's like I learn, you learn what the body can and can't take. Whether you're doing push-ups, whether you're pushing someone, you learn how the body reacts to that and you and you scientifically, scientifically adapt, attack, analyze, strategize, strategize, defend, and all of that.
0: Now, did you make that phrase up yourself, or did you did somebody bring that to you? Because I've never actually heard anybody say like martial science is a way to describe you know that.
1: There, there was there was a brother who actually trained the Nation of Islam, um, Dr. Moses Powell, is the first person I ever heard say it was martial sciences, and I studied with some of his um study with some of his uh, uh students. Uh, okay, Dr. Muhammad, Dr. Um, Abdul Glover, uh, some other people that you know put that phrase into my head and I just carry it you get me
0: Mm, so that's actually a really interesting way to to look at that in regards to the science of being able to control yourself not only in controlling for restraint but controlling to act and act very intentfully because that's really what that control is is being able to do exactly what you want to do versus just reacting versus the art which is how you display that
1: Exactly, like, I, you know, I'm, I'm too old to get into the point fighting systems. Like, I did that already, right? Um, I did other things, like, amateur boxing is great, you know what I mean? I, you know, there were some injuries and some other things that are out of my control, just career choices, like, I could have went pro in boxing, and just, like, God had a different plan, Um, but I'm not getting into the street fight to have a point sparring match. I'm not going to get in the street fight to, to, to have a boxing competition with you, like, I'm, like, any fight should be taken out as efficiently as possible as violently and efficiently as possible that's why people go to war that's why people created guns to eliminate hand-to-hand combat so you know if you're going to do hand-to-hand combat you know in this day and age get it done as quickly and efficiently as possible not only to protect yourself but well yeah just to protect yourself
0: that's it When you were, you know, you said you got into that at six. And so when did you, you never really stopped training. I mean, when did you stop competing? Hmm? Oh,
1: man, when did I stop competing? That's a great question. Um, I stopped doing like martial arts tournaments, I'd probably say right after high school, in high school, um, because I got, I got drafted by the Toronto Blue Jays to play baseball, um, but I got locked up the same time. So that was kind of it for that um and then you know I started competing in boxing um once I got out of jail um so I was like 18 when I started you know doing like competing in gyms and then eventually getting in the amateur boxing system um and then I stopped doing that you know because I was I was in the music industry I was doing other things and it's very important to note that you can't serve two masters like you know what I mean I you know I'd be on the road rapping like I went on tour with Unit and 50 Cent. As soon as I got out of high school, so it was difficult to box and train, but also be on the road at the same time, rapping and performing all these different things. So it was very difficult to do that. So I stopped boxing, uh probably at 20. Stop. I am say I stopped amateur boxing, stopped competing. I still spar in gyms. I still spar fighters regularly, um but I stopped competing in the boxing in order to try to turn pro. Probably around like 23, 24, something like that. I was like, okay. I think I think my last fight was I like was 23.
0: Okay. Yeah. Now, in that process, so we're talking like 17 years, what did that training look like for you? Brutal.
1: Um, there's, you know, if you go back and you look at like old Karate Kid videos, like, you know, uh, Daniel son and all that, and you watch like old Karate documentaries. And I had teachers that came from that school um, where, you know, you were doing barefoot training on concrete in the cold or the hot you were doing really cruel and unusual punishments that were body conditioning that were like archaic by today's standards, but we did that. That's, you know, we didn't spar with gear on. We didn't have that luxury. <laughs> like it was the, it was around, but we weren't allowed to use it. There were other schools. <laughs> now, boxing is different. Boxing, you have to have headgear and, and gloves and all of that, like you have to. Karate gyms, it was like nah. It was still like a lawless land where people were just like kicking each other and knocking teeth out. That doesn't mean oh, it wow, doesn't mean it, it didn't mean it looked great. It was effective somewhat, but you know you learn a lot about yourself from that. And you know, and I say it all the time, it's a it's a very popular boxing thing to say is like two people come into a boxing gym, someone gets punched and stays in there, and someone gets punched and leave, and then eventually you're just left with a whole bunch of people that got punched in the face and decided to stay. So, <laughs> You get me. So that was kind of the dojos in the training that I came through. Like, you know, I was always an athlete, even though I was chubby and everything is a youth. Like, I was always an athlete, so I always trained athletically. Um, it's just we had a different understanding at the, that time. Um, because, like, we had the 80s and 70s kind of to teach us. While I was a, still a child in the 80s, I didn't start training, I think, until 91, like I said. So, like, we still kind of had those relic training methods where things were kind of stagnant, but at the verge of you know, a revolution in technological and medical advancements and sports science and everything like that. Like I was just talking about us the other day, like, you know, when you and I were growing up, if you were an athlete, and you tore your ACL, that was the end of your athletic career at that time. That was it. Now you're, you might be back later that year. Like if you're taking <laughs> the playoffs and you're a professional athlete, you might come back and play in the playoffs. But you know, but that's the thing, the advancements of sports medicine and sports science kind of, you know, it, it And some of them condemned the way we trained back then, but like, you know, the, the training itself was rigorous, it was disciplined, it was intense, um, it was fortifying and it was gratifying at the same time. So, you know, you got some
0: training. When we look at, you know, being able to have longevity and you look at being able to not just have longevity, but being able to perform well and perform often, fortifying is a word that I never thought about using until you just said it, that I think is very descriptive of what training should be like. You should be fortified in your training, your joints, your movement, your muscles, uh, even your bones, if you're eating well, you know, should be fortified to support you. What would you say, you know, when you think about what you were doing, you know, as you went into 2000 and early 2000s, Um, What parts of your training would you say kind of provided that level of fortification?
1: Um, It definitely wasn't the diet at that point because I didn't know anything about it at time because like I said, I was chubby. Um, Once I I had a growth spurt when I was like 14 going into grade eight, like that summer, I grew like five inches that summer. It must
0: have been really Um, short.
1: And it was, I realized how much my body hurt growing that much. Like you actually like growing pains are real. Like you feel like it's very uncomfortable feeling growing that fast, that little. little I've never had that problem. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm I grew to five eights. It's not like I grew to be a giant. Like I stopped growing after grade nine, so it's like that was it for me. Um, You know, but you know, learning the fortification aspect of it, I I attribute a lot of that to chi training, like key and chi training, like you know, mental toughness and conditioning, and then. Just learning that, you know, I want to be resilient. Like I, I, even today, I'm still fairly injury prone as an athletic person. Um, you know, that was kind of like, I, you know, I've broken every one of my fingers. I've broken both of my hands. I've broken my nose, I think five times. And a lot of that's, you know, boxing. Um, you know, you'll have that. You know what I mean? Um, even with wrist wraps on. That's why I, I hate when kung fu people make fun of boxers. Like, oh, well, you punch with gloves. It's like, well, yeah, I'm also throwing a thousand punches in an hour. Yeah, I need to have gloves on you throw a thousand punches bare hand to see what your hands look like afterwards you fucking idiot. <laughs> um but like you know um the aspect of fortification of your body like that's kind of the discipline of martial arts in it like you know to, to practice your art you need to be able to do it in longevity and that's why you see a lot of these masters and people who have done it in such a long time it's such a high level can do it into their 60s and 70s because they took care of their body you know um And and that's just really it. Like, you know, you look at a Floyd Mayweather who has all of his faculties and say what you want about him. You know, I'm not going to say, he's my favorite fighter of all time, but, you know, I don't agree with all of his practices in terms of what he did, you know, picking opponents. He still beat the best opponents. It's just, when did he do it? But it was intelligent because he was like, I'm not going to leave this game like Muhammad Ali. I'm going to leave this game with money and faculties. I'm going to be able to still have conversations with you and tell you about how I made a damn near a billion dollars as a boxer, right? Versus someone who has sustained decades worth of head trauma and CTE and all of that, you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. the, yeah, fortification and health and longevity is huge for just anybody. But as an athlete, specifically combat athletes, it's, it's, it should be your key focal point. Yeah. It doesn't matter how much martial arts techniques you can perform if you don't have the mental capacity anymore, the faculties
0: to do it you might as well just be fighting from a wheelchair then. (laughs) For sure. So when we think about that, you know, looking at what makes somebody fortified, what makes them have longevity, having robustness, is something that I find is very useful. The I tell a lot of our athletes here. You know, we a look at range of motion. Um, how far can you? How mobile, How mobile are you? You know, can you get your knee far past your toe? Can you squat really deep? Can you put yourself in these different positions? Can you do a pistol squat? Can you do all these different things? Can you turn your body so your spine and in that you know middle back musculature that can actually rotate? You know, having a lot of movement potential. And ability to get into those positions means a lot for robustness, which gives you fortification. If you can't get into a position and if your body gets forced to be in that position, you're going to get hurt. And mm-hmm. so you have this phrase that you use a lot in the middle of working out. Like you just be, we just be in the middle of getting it in. It don't mean shit if it don't move. I mean, say that again. Muscle don't mean shit if it don't move. What does that mean? I mean, it's very, it's it's a self-explanatory sentence, but explain it.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, you look at people who are just big for no reason, right? More time people think about bodybuilders and that. There's a big conversation in the fitness community. Are bodybuilders athletes? And I say sometimes. It's kind of like how all rectangles are squares, but not all squares are rectangles. <laughs> you know, I've seen some very unathletic bodybuilders, but you can also say the same thing for professional quarterbacks. Like at the football team, the quarterback tends to be the least athletic person on the team. Pitchers tend to be the least athletic person on the field but the game revolves around right it's because it's i don't view golf as a sport i view golf as a technique um it's not tennis tennis is tennis is a sport mm-hmm. race car driving that's the technique that's not a sport right muscle don't mean shit if it don't move like you can have muscle and not be athletic i don't care how many pounds you bench press you can't lift waist with your chin my nigga like that's <laughs> the bottom line like you know, a squat is, in my opinion, more impressive than a bench press because it's more moving parts. Your body's a system, it's a machine. It should be treated as such. You move it in conjunction for synergy, you get a better result. Olympic lifts are exponentially more impressive than single motion lifts, static lifts. A dynamic lifts is a clean jerk and press or something like that. When I watch Olympic weightlifting, it's like, oh, they're doing something. Because you're seeing the unification of the whole body. Right, punching someone isn't just done with your arms, you punch actually from the ground. Kinetic energy is turned to potential energy. It's just a transfer a transference of energy from the ground. You have a limitless supply of energy because you're standing on the earth, which is six sextillion tons. And essentially you're using some of that to exit through your fist into someone's body or kick. It's the same thing. In judo, they say judo is the most difficult martial art to sustain because you're hitting somebody with the earth that's the fact so you got to be resilient through that and you have to learn that your body wants to be in motion like your body very rarely performs in isolated like instances like even a punch if I throw a left punch I'm still using my right leg to balance Mm -hmm. I'm driving. you get me like so Muscle don't mean nothing if it doesn't move. Now, if you want to be just training for aesthetics and purely like that, then yeah, then muscle means everything if it doesn't move. Because, But even when you're posing, even when you're on stage and you're doing your routine, you need the the control of your muscles at will to, you know, to, to hit your poses, your most muscular, your, front, your 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 side tricep, your side chest, all of that. Like, you're still moving your muscles. So, again,
0: people
1: lose – people that look great aesthetically lose because they can't pose. Muscle don't mean shit if it don't move. Period.
0: Yeah. So when we look at that, and in you know that affects people in bodybuilding. I think that um, you know that aspect of that rect what all squares are rectangles, but not all rectangles are squares uh, is a good analogy. It's generally how I feel about that. But when we look at sports, you know that line of you have things that are just raw athleticism, just you know just somebody going out jumping as high as they can or running as fast as they can which depending on what level of competition that goes from being just a technique to like a sport I think versus something that is literally not an athletic endeavor at all like bodybuilding but you know we have all these sports and what kind of defines that sport is having great technique but needing to move your body in a very dynamic way so in that dynamic component when you look at training and you look at this phrase right that you use when you think about like your training that you just did this morning how does that influence what you're doing because you're obviously not going to go out and you're you're not you're not waking up on Friday morning like oh I'm going to bench press today and then after I get done bench pressing I'm going to hit some incline press and then I'm going to do some pull-ups and then I'm going to do some lunges and then I'm going to do some cardio and then I'm going to leave like that's not how you train
1: no not so to, to preface this, I come from that background. Like, my father was a powerlifter. We I, got, I grew up in that time with like my first superheroes on TV were pro wrestlers, right? The Ultimate Warrior and Ravaging Rick Rude were the first people I seen. I was like, Yo, I want to look like that, like because they kind of look like He Man in real life. It was like, Oh my god, like these people look incredible. Um, so I come from that powerlifting background and I even experimented with it a little bit in my day. Um, right, I come from that bench pressing. Go ahead,
0: real quick, I want to clarify. So just so that anybody else listening doesn't get me confused, powerlifting itself very much is its own sport. 100 like bodybuilding in the sense of people just going to lift to look puffy. You can, just as much as he said, you know, you can be athletic. Uh, you can be body a bodybuilder and not athletic. You can also be a bodybuilder and not be that strong versus and, being absolutely. that big and being very, very strong.
1: It's, it's, it's very different. It's very different. It's two totally different training methods. Um, but – You know, so the way I train and what I do when I train is I always train to complement my martial abilities. I'm always going to train to make sure even as I get older, I have fast synaptic responses. That doesn't mean I'm out here doing the agility ladder every day, but I'm doing work that requires me to be agility and synaptic and quick. I've never been a fast person. Right. Um, I've, I've never been someone's going to put like a 4240 up. My legs just aren't long enough. I'm top heavy. Like I'm aware of how I'm built. I'm not going to run a 4240. However, however, I can punch very fast. I can kick fast. I can move. I can dart around the ring quick. I can get in my sport respective speed extremely fast. Even someone that's old by standards of performance wise, right? I still move very fast. Um, like I was, you know, um, just viewing some of the speeds from my phone, like, you know, from like a couple years ago, me throwing punches, some of them look a little quicker now just because they're sharper that, but that's a different conversation. But when I train, you know, I do a lot of calisthenics. I primarily do calisthenics. And when I do lift weights, I tend to not lift anything other than a 50 pound dumbbell on each side or a hundred pounds total weight. And, but You know, I'm a hundred, right now I'm I'm heavy for me. I'm like 179, 180 pounds, Um, but I'm very muscular. And Donald can attest to this. Like I'm extremely muscular, but I'm mobile. The reason for that is like, I believe in the dense even as dense as your muscle can be, it should still move. Case in point, look at linebackers. Linebackers are some of the most muscular athletes on the planet. Gymnasts are the most muscular athletes on the planet. They have the lowest body fat percentage. Wide receivers nowadays extremely muscular, extremely athletic. You look at LeBron James, he's a freak. For his size, for six, eight, two plus, he's very muscular. And that's difficult to have on that, that type of a frame. He's powerful, he's athletic. Why wouldn't everybody want to look like that? I was liking it to, you look at marathon runners or sprinters. There's a It's, a di- it's different, it's different, right? Now this isn't to bash anybody that does marathon running because I know Donald, you do a lot of long distance running. Um, it's not for me, right? It's, even when I had to do it for boxing, I hated it. Like, I hated long distance running. No one, no, you you can't name me one fighter on the planet that enjoys running because I'll tell you what, that's the first thing they give up when they stop training is running. No one <laughs> likes that. You have to be a very specifically minded person to enjoy that type of training, right? I never did. A lot of people don't, but there are people that do. I say that to say you look at a sprinter, they look completely different than a a marathon runner, it's because there's a different practice into it. Marathon running, in my opinion, isn't as sustainable as sprinting is, right? Because sprinting doesn't require, like, you know, you're you're only going a very short distance. The way I train specifically is I, I train for maximum capacity, massive. Like um, Pavel, Pavel, what is his name? You know what I'm talking about. The Russian man.
0: Um Pavel. You can't think of a certain <laughs> now but he kind of
1: changed fitness i read i read this book that my strength coach gave me in the early 2000s and he's basically like you ever see a cheetah limber up before it kills something that was his mindset so i want to be able to be synaptic at any point even if i'm sore that day even if i'm tired even if i only got three hours of sleep i still want to be able to throw a punch with as maximum efficiency as i can you know who else wrote about that bruce lee and you look at bruce lee bruce looked fantastic up until his death, Bruce looked fantastic. It's probably the best looking corpse the world has ever seen. And, you know, Bruce was just in another animal but he overstood the importance of being able to explode on a dime and stop at the same time. It's, you know, martial arts to me, it's not impressive how fast you could throw the technique it's how well you can control the technique. So same thing with your bench press. If you're bouncing a ball off your chest, that's not impressive. That's why I like that dead stop, you stop for a second, then go full range of motion. That's the indication of true power, flexibility and full range of motion. So when I'm training, I'm doing, you know, a 50 clip of push-ups, and then I'm doing 50 squats and then I'm going to throw some punches afterwards because it's good lactic acid built up. I got some fatigue toxins to fight through. Now it's challenging. Muhammad Ali always said, I hated every, I hated every second of training, but I didn't start counting my reps until the shit started hurting. That's not exactly what he said, but that's basically what he said. Like, I, I count my reps when it starts to burn. Like, I don't know how many push-ups I did, but I know once I started burning, I did 50. So I might have did 75. I might have did 80. I might have did 100. But, like, like, I didn't feel it. I didn't start counting it until it started burning. So that's that's the way I train. Like, I train for, you know,
0: maximum efficiency at all times. That's um that's dope. And when I think about that that last piece in regards to you know, not counting it until it gets tired, until you get tired. How does that affect your mindset? Just kind of, as a human being. Man, I zero in bro.
1: Because like, I I look at training, not only is it fun for me, but it's a task. and It has to be done. Right? You gotta pay rent every day. Yeah, I gotta pay my dues bro. So it puts me in a zone of like, constant competition with myself. It's like, yo, yesterday I did this. Well, today I'm going to do this, right? Because I have to, not because I want to. Some days I don't want to work out. It's not. It doesn't happen often because I do love it. But there are some days I don't want to. But those are the days when I know I have to perform at my best. I had a sense they always used to say, you never want to run into anybody that knows as much as you. So you got to learn a little bit more today.
0: Oh, I like that phrase. Y'all right? should write that
1: down. Never <laughs> want to run into someone who knows as much as you, man. So you got to train harder today. So like, you see seen me train. There was one time I remember we was in your spot and I did uh, 20 sets of five pull ups. Yep. And you were like and I, and I and I was like 20 and you were like 20 what? And I was like 20 sets of five. And you were like, oh, you were like, well, wait, 20 sets of five. And I did it in like 40 minutes. And you were like, how? That's how I train. Like I'm, I'm training for and that. And I had full range of motion, you know, five push up, five pull ups boom wait 10 seconds do another five wait 10 seconds do another five maybe i'll wait 30 seconds next time do another five but my goal was to get 20 sets of five and you do the math for how much that is because i failed math three times men like me don't count too well but that was the number i wanted to get in my head so nothing was going to stop me from getting my 20 sets of five and then we still did other shit
0: yeah and we when you
1: did other shit
0: and you know it's funny you say that and you mentioned about sprinting because when we look at when i so i train high school sprints i have track starting in like six weeks and you know when you train high level sprinters and you're doing like actual speed work for that level of efficiency or even like even with long distance people as you get into like high competitive uh, times of the year your training becomes a lot faster but with a lot less volume per set So instead of doing like all these tempo runs where they might, especially with a high school kid who's not in great shape, you're running all these 200s and 300s. Now you get into the season, you're running a few 150s, you're running a few 250s, you're running a bunch of 60s, but you're only doing a couple at a time. Um, You got some rest. And so, you know, it's funny you say that, like when you said that, and it took me for a shock because I just don't hear people talk about doing that. And but they do that like with Olympic lifting when you go into high power training and you start getting your eight sets, four of two, sets, three, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. like yeah. that.
0: Like that becomes very common. But it's funny I don't hear too many people talk about doing that with uh, pull-ups. So uh, we're gonna change gears here. Yeah. One thing we talked about, you know, throughout these different workouts that we've been doing is play. And admittedly, as someone who like has to run the business mm-hmm. of coaching, do like the coaching ed and you know a million other things sometimes i don't really play as much i'll play when i'm running a little bit more but i don't really play as much as i used to in the gym but you know i recognize that play is one of those things that's very important not only when it comes to just training which we'll talk about but just in life and so you know you can you can answer this in a second i'm going to ask but for all of you listening as well think about when was the last time you played When's the last time you just kind of frolicked around? And I don't want you to be like, well, what do you mean by that? What just comes to mind? Because that's really, A, how our brains get to unwind, they get to process things, Um, that essence of self-care. Yeah, you could sit in the bathtub with your candles and all that. You could also just go play and just be a goofball, and you'll also see your stress go down. You'll also be able to help sort out these different things in your head and there's a lot of ways that we solve problems when it comes to while well, we're just playing. And so uh, before you talk about just the workout mm-hmm. aspect of playing, you know, what do you think about playing in your own life?
1: So it's, it's important to me because one, like, you know, I'm, I'm basically like a 35 year old child in most cases. Um, but also, like I was a gym teacher for seven years and I taught K through eight. So I had I, I like I always played. Right. Because even though you don't play boxing, you don't play karate. Like I still play like basketball and pick up baseball and football and all of that. Like that's fun. Right. It's, it, it teaches you social structures and, you know, all of that other stuff. But when I was an educator, I seen the importance of like kinesthetic learning through children and the different systems of learning. And some people learn better when they play. Some people learn better when, you know, they are learning everything they need to learn about how to be a functioning human being through interaction, through games and rules and settings and, you know, all of that, like the the hierarchy of the social system and all of them things, you get me. So it was important for me to not only relearn it at a child's level, but also to kind of process that internalize it and replicate it as an adult. Um, Because it's like, it teaches you different things about yourself, right? It's it's, it's also very humbling. Because like, if you take, uh, you know, this is kind of going to the, the training and the practicality aspect of it. You take a child and put them on a jungle gym, they'd be there all day. They have fun. They don't even know they're working out. But that's the jungle gyms are actually created for is to keep children strong. People don't know that. You put an adult on a jungle gym, monkey bars, something like that, they probably are gonna tap out very fast. Cause they don't have they just don't have the ability to do it. You don't realize how important play is for your body to make it move uniformly, like synergistically. So that aspect of it, like not only is it, is it great for your, your like mental conditioning and just kind of like social awareness, but uh, it, you know, the overall health benefits of it, like you said, you could unwind, man, you can have fun. Like, you know, my workouts are intense. My workouts are, to me, I treat working out like life or death, but that doesn't mean I don't have fun with it. You know what I mean? Like, so that's how, that's how I treat it, man. Like playing is very important to me.
0: So on a training tip, when you look at playing, like, how does that influence your, your training? Because I'm, when I think of playing, I think of it like there's not really a plan or a structure. You're kind of just going with the flow. Mm-hmm. Um, or, like, you're more willing to change things on the fly. Like, how does that influence how you train? Right. That's my thought on it.
1: Yeah. So, like, you know, kind of touching back what you said earlier, like, I don't come into the gym with a plan. Like, I'm bench pressing this, that. like, I do, but I don't. Like, I know, okay, today I did triceps and core. That's, my, that's probably my favorite way to do working out is, like, that's my favorite system, tricep and core, because I get to use my whole body, right? Like, your triceps and your core are supposed to function together, specifically for martial arts. Your tricep is two-thirds of your arm. That means you're punching mostly with your tricep. And once you incorporate the shoulder, right, the, the, which stabilizes the tricep through exercises, and then you, you bring in the brachialis, the bicep, and all that other stuff, and what's that supported by? That's, that's supported to the upper trunk, which is held together by the core. Right. So I get to do all my like static holds and everything like that, you know, like sphinx pushups, tiger bend pushups, you know, all the kind of the, the extreme calisthenics things. I do that also, but I incorporate the bands. So today I was just like, you know what, I'm going to play around with these tricep exercises, man. Let me get these bands. Let me drop the, the resistance down a little bit so I can keep my rep range high. And today I'm going to try to go for 500 reps. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to break this up to what I got to do, but I'm going to get 500 reps on these bands before I do anything else. And in between, I'm a super set with sets of 20, you know, crunches or sets of 20 ab exercises. And then that 20 turned into 50 and that 50 turned into 75. And then, you know, I I was like, oh, I got cramped. Let me let me calm down because I'm not 25 (laughs) i I'm 35. Right. Um, but when I'm playing, man, like, you know, like I want my I want my workouts to be based off how I feel. Right. Like, um. Sometimes, like, yeah, you know what? Like, my 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 arms might be too beat up. And also, you got to keep in mind, I'm throwing punches in between this, right? Like, I'm like, okay, I need to let my arms chill a little bit. Let me hit these wall sits just because and make a game out of it. I'm going to go for the whole verse of a song. And then next time, I'm going to go for the whole verse and a hook. And then once now I'm warm, I have that, you know, I've I, I, I played around with it. Now I'm going to go the whole song for a wall set. And I'm not talking like a whack wall set. I'm talking 90 degrees, baby. You get me? Like, we're going 90, (laughs) right? We're going clean angles, right? You can measure a room off this wall set. That's what you want. And then, you know, so that's how I play with it. It's a challenge. Like, I I usually work out by myself because I don't like people slowing me down. I don't want to hear people complaining while I'm working out because that just makes me more angry. So I'm going to turn this into a game and, you know, I'm going to play the workout game with myself, you know? So that, you know, that's kind of how I do it. Like, you know, and then it, it, when it get nice, when it's nice outside, I'm doing leapfrog squats up and down the street, duck walks up and down my hill. Like I'm doing bear crawls and dragon walks up and down hills and bleaches and, you know, jumping off trees and doing all, because it's fun. You get me? Like, it's still fun to be out there. And then, you know, the, the, to bring the real aspect of it, man, like, you know, not everybody has a fully functioning body right? There's, there's there's people in wheelchairs, there's people that have, you know, physical handicaps and disabilities that wish they could just get outside and do something wish they can move. And people take for granted your free range of motion, like your ability to just get up and move whenever you want to. That's a blessing, man. I'm not chatting, preaching my religion over anybody nothing like that. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave us this body to move, man. And that's the thing, like we got to be able to move it. So playing is like the most natural form of it. Like, Think about how strong children are.
0: Yeah. I right? had a like, friend I was just chatting with yesterday. She put her son on FaceTime. He's like, I think he's like three or four. And this man was just doing push-ups, just running around, stole her phone, and he yeah, ran like, into another room like, eh, hey, just ran away. Like, she was struggling to go catch up with him. <laughs> because yeah, That's the thing.
1: Like, children are limitless energy, man. They're almost like potential energy. Like, you know, because everything is a game to a child. That's how they learn. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, you, you, especially if you grew up black, man, you always always play, playing, but that's how, you know, that's how we learn as children, as young human beings, man. It's not no different than any other, you know, evolutionary, um, superior animal in the food chain or in the the, mother nature. Like you think about it, it's only a handful of animals in the animal kingdom that actually play. Right. It's only a handful and they're the most intelligent and they're the most, um, and they're usually predators. Right. Because Mm -hmm. you're learning the you're learning the the play, because it teaches you about your survival. And so get me, and that's what. Go ahead. No, you got it. You got it. I was saying, and that's where martial arts systems come from. People watch animals, and interpreted those movements in this defense systems. That's why specifically in kung fu, you see like your mantis, your tiger, your leopard, right? But virtually every martial system on the planet is borrowed from an animal. Like you look at wrestling, bears, right? A bear hug, right? Uh, there's martial arts techniques named specifically after animals. There's there's martial arts, the entire forms named after animals and how they play. Like in in the monkey system, right? It's the most playful looking system. Like you know what I mean? Like it, it's that doesn't mean it doesn't work. I'm just saying it's just like it's the most playful looking system, and it's you know it's it, 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 again that keeps your training fun right mm-hmm. that, that keeps it like from being rudimentary and too you know rigid
0: I did a um, Capoeira class a couple years ago shout out to Akinlana I got to bring him back whenever COVID's over yeah he yeah. did a uh, Capoeira workshop here with us and schooled me about how Capoeira works because like I had heard of it but you know most of us know Capoeira because of Tekken right and so mm-hmm. he, he was kind of like schooling us on the history about you know how it came up but one thing that stu- stood out to me was that you don't do or practice capoeira, you play capoeira. Mm-hmm. Um, right, yeah. Very clear in that aspect of this is something that and I was rooted in the history of why it was done and how it was done. but still looking at like just that it's a very social type of martial art. It's a very social type of skill that you practice. And so you're playing it and you're having fun with it. There's music often involved. You're kind of just flowing and going with it. And you guys listening, you know, you think about your training and it's something that I think about when I look at, all right, we create this plan, whether it's in the gym, we're good, we got these weights that we're going to lift or we got these movements we're going to do. We got these different runs that we're going to have sometimes people get caught up in like this is my spreadsheet this is what I must do so I will right 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 which can often you know easily lead it to not be as fun and you know even if you have a certain plan because it it relates to a certain goal understanding the need for some flexibility with that that uh, that is a a lighter form of play a more formal quote-unquote style of play of saying all right I'm not going to do um this certain exercise at the end, or you know what, I'm not going to do this type of squat. I'm going to do that. You know what, ah, I don't feel like doing um, this, these Olympic lists. I don't feel like doing my cleaning jerk, So I'm going to throw a med ball instead. Of I'm going to do some sled work instead. I'm going to bound up a hill instead. And so being able to have that flexibility with what you're doing, because at the end of the day, it's not really the implement or the particular exercise. It's still the movement that it is and what kind of adaptation you want to have from that. And so um, allowing yourself to just play more can really help with being able to keep things fresh, keep things diverse and not necessarily even steer away from your actual training goal.
1: You know, I want I also want to touch on like, you know, the aspect of playing right, uh, just just like full total body movement. I know there was um, some guy who was training Conor McGregor to fight Floyd Mayweather. His name was like his name is like Ido Porto or something like that it's from Italy, and he kind of like became like a professional play coach or something like that, teaching athletes to kind of like basically move in different patterns and you know different you know engage your kinetic chain in different ways, and that, all that shit is great, right? But you don't need someone to tell you how to do that. Like you, you, don't need that. All you, all you do is just like go back to doing shit you did when you were younger. Like it's, it, it's you know you you mentioned uh, when we were chatting earlier, people playing ultimate frisbee and you know things like that. That's playing still, you know. Like you're moving around, like you're getting out doing something. Like you know, for me. I learned new ways to play when I seen children doing it. Right. Um, just like playing different games in gym class. And, and, you know, I ended up creating a whole curriculum just off playing like it was super competitive. And, you know, I didn't really grade any children in gym class. I was like, you show up, you're good. Um, but pretty much everybody got an A for me, even the kids that didn't want to participate. They got an A for me because I understand they were overcoming something. Right. You know, the kid in gym class, is like, well, I hate gym because I'm out of shape or I'm not athletic. It's like, nah, bro. It's like, I'm not judging you on that. I'm just judging you how well you can follow directions. I don't care about it. you can shoot a basket or nothing like that would be fucked up if I was judging you off that ability. Like, because then, you know what I mean? Because it's like you got your upper classes for that. Like you got your upper teacher to tell you you can't do math. So you're failing at life. Nah, I'm not going to do that. But I learned you know pl- creating these games and these strategies for children is like you know it's it's kind of like you know i don't really know how to play it but i know uno has like a universal rule set and then a specific rule set for everybody who plays it if i create this game i might have an overarching rule set but i might adapt it from class to class and I might have all these different parameters, like, yo, I know this class is not really that athletically inclined, so I'm going to throw more strategy in there. I know this class over here, all they want to do is get the ball and run, so that's what we're going to do today. I'm just going to run these kids to death. Like, they're going to look like it was cruel and unusual punishment at the end of this period, (laughs) right? Kids are going to be stinking the rest of the day. Sorry, but, you know, at least they're going to be, you know, they're going to be tired. Um, But then that's the thing. Children rebound fast because you're playing. Like if you think about how your central nervous system responds and stuff. Right. And there's always that conversation of overtraining. You're not going to get that with playing. I don't really necessarily believe in overtraining. I do believe in sapping your central nervous system. But that doesn't mean you can't do something while you're tired, like stretching or I I think of it like I don't have rest days. I have active rest days. Right. Where I'm going to be moving. I'll stretch. I'll shadow box. I'll just go over, like, my martial arts forms just really slow. You know what I mean? Just slow and just, you know, making sure my movements are crisp. And I'll record it on camera and I'll look and i am like, oh, okay, I can tell I'm tight because my right arm is down. You know, all these other things, right? But I say that to say the importance of it is there's elasticity and there's longevity to it, right? Like, I want to be elastic for as long as I can. One of my biggest fears is losing the ability to perform at the ability that I do now, right? And I know that's coming for me. But you can prolong it with intelligent training methods. You know, like every time I see, you know, I hear players like, I, you know, I'm huge, I'm a sports fanatic. Anytime I hear like, you know, oh, you know, so and so signed this guy, but he's 32 years old. So he's at the end of his career. I'm like, yeah, but 32 is really young. 32 might be old in a professional athlete sense, but you're looking at this now where you have these, you've always had people that were exceptions to the rules. You're Ozzie Smiths. You know, um, in baseball, right? And I don't know who's, you know, or uh, you look at um, Maurice Green, right? Runner, uh, football players, Tom Brady's forty-two years old, forty-three years old, going to his tenth Super Bowl. What? Are you mad? And that's because he adapted these new training methods, adapted a new diet. You look, And he you know, he plays a sport, but at the same... I mean, granted, he's a high-paid athlete. He's a performance athlete, but still, like, he plays. You look at fighters. You know, Floyd is fighting at almost 50 years old, man. And he looks fantastic. Floyd Mayweather looked 32 years old still, man. He looked great, man. I just see he just, for the first time in his life, he just grew a beard. <laughs> right? It's just like... I mean, that's the thing. It's like, you know, you you don't know what these benefits have to you, man. Like, you know, it keeps you youthful. And also just the mental aspect of it. If you're working out to have fun because, it, I'm sorry, you're working out to feel good because it releases endorphins, have fun. Yeah. Have fun. You get me? Like, it's important to have fun because, like, you know, we got enough things in our life that, that suck the fun out of everything. Bills. COVID. Taxes. Work relationships, television, you know, all these things, man, you know, have some, have some, man, get your fun,
0: get your fun, man. Yeah. So please take heed to that. I want you to go back, rewind the last five minutes and like re-listen to that because that's really key to like just being able to enjoy your, your, this one time you get to do this, right. When you think about older people who like the, the think about the person that's over 60 right that you mm-hmm. find the most fun in your family like i, I want you to think about that who's your, who's your favorite person like over 50 over 60
1: Are you asking me? I'm asking you. The, I'm oh, asking you, you. Oh, me? I, I don't have no family left. <laughs> Ain't nobody that old. My father's it. it. Oh,
0: okay. So when I think about... <laughs> <laughs> it was like, Who's that was real out?
1: morbid. That was super morbid. <laughs> Everybody's dead. <laughs> but, that, but, but that's... So So let me say something. Let me say something about this. This is why I'm going to kind of get political, right? And I remember you and I talking about this before. Like, my father's dad, waited really late in life to have him. My father's dad was like late 40s, early 50s, something like that when my dad came around. Super late in life, right? And and my father's, my grandfather was born in 1900 and he had my dad in 55. So my dad was, yeah, so his father was 55 when he was born. Right, so he was late, late in life. My grandfather's grandfather, I'm sorry, my grandfather's father was born in the 1800s. That means that nigga was a slave. So, like, life expectancy for people was different because of brute labor. Like, you know, people weren't living that long back then. Like, you didn't have medicine taking care of people. You didn't have the creature comforts that we, ex- that we you know, experience now and enjoy now. But now they say, you know, the first person lived 120 years old, already been born, right? There's, already, there's a chance that, you know, the person lived 130 is already living on the planet right now. So that means we kind of owe it to ourselves to improve that quality of life that's already been allotted to us because of all these creature comforts we got, right? We're not out here like, you know, digging holes with our hands no more and dying of carbon monoxide poisoning in mines. Not Some people are but, you know, I'm not. But, you know, there's, there's, there's things that go with that. Now, granted, also human beings aren't growing as big anymore you know, because of technology. But while we still have these evolutionary faculties that are just kind of becoming latent abilities and just kind of like redundancies, explore them. Because I'll tell you what, when I was on social media, the videos that I would post of me working out that got the most attention were me playing. Mm. Like, were me doing like, you know, and and if you look at it, when I was going back to people that were in wheelchairs and everything like that, think about if everybody that, you know, watches football, or at least remotely familiar, or, or Steelers fans, if you're listening to this from Pittsburgh, um, think about Ryan Shazir about what happened to him, right? It ended his career, you know, the spinal injury that ended his career. I still remember watching that like it was yesterday. But the first thing he did and put out of him doing unassisted was jumping on to a box. It wasn't, yeah, we did see him squat, we see him squat with like 135 assisted, and it's great, man. He has spinal injury that's that by itself, the fact that he's walking was wild then he did the the squat but when he jumped by himself onto a box right as an athlete you don't know like psychologically what that probably did for his attitude Mm. like I could jump I just broke my back now I could jump that's that's playing right that's playing yeah there's a huge mental boost to that man so his quality of life when he found out he could jump, I remember when I I I remember when I tore my knee and I found out I could jump again, man. You know how happy I was? <laughs> man, you know how happy I was when I found out I could jump and land painless? Oh, my days, bro. So, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, play, man. Play. It's funny you say enjoy,
0: that. Enjoy your body. I think about every spring. So, like, I haven't done college track. God, it's, I'm getting old now. It's been, like, seven, eight, eight years since I, like, put on my college jersey to go run. But I coach high school track and I um, Mm. work with these hurdlers and I always think like, look, I'm about to get out here and show you how to do these hurdles. And now you got my five foot five self who's, you know, these kids, they don't they don't understand the concept of being in your 20s. So to them, I'm like 30 something also. And when I when when the few of them find out I'm not, they're always confused. So there's this 30 something year old short guy who has all his energy and he's about to run over these hurdles. And then I go out and like, I race them and it's so much fun. Like I don't, I don't hurdle all year round except for high school track. And I'll get out there and get over these hurdles and then right. I'll put them at the college height. And I didn't do the college 42 inch hurdles. I did the 400 meter hurdles. Um, I could, I can clear the 42s. I just can't race that 42 inches, like not respectively at all. So I'll put, I'll put yeah, them up and will go you over Yeah, I don't have the frame them. for it. Yeah, I don't have the frame for that. And so, but I'll put them up and, and, you know, show off a little bit. And it's just fun. I'll get out there and race and I'll take these kids who think they fast. And, you know, some of them are legitimately fast and I'll go out there and run with them. But there's that fun in in that youthfulness. It makes me feel more energized. Like I'll get, I walk out of practice feeling better than I walked into practice. And I'm not the one training. (laughs) Let me, let me tell you
1: this. Let me tell you this. When I was teaching gym, right. And I, I would usually reserve this for my older children, but sometimes the younger children, they are bugging, they was asking for it, they would get it. My punishment would be for them to do my workout. That would be my punishment for my children. I have them do my, my calisthenics routine. And my calisthenics routines are brutal. I've had, you know, I, I train professional bodybuilders. I've trained professional athletes, professional fighters. And I promise you, I put this on everything. Not one person has not thrown up. Everybody throws up trying to do my calisthenics routine, right? Well, the one in question rapper, my PT level three exam. I've made everybody ever try to throw up, right? And I've, I've had – I actually had a gymnast throw up doing it, which was great. And because – I take pride in that because it's brutal, right? And, I, and that's a, I've i never thrown up, but I've definitely tapped out. on. I was my about own to ask you, you ain't I never
0: thrown up, up from this either?
1: <laughs> yeah. No, I don't know. I've never thrown up from working out. I've come close, but I've never thrown up, right? But I come from that school. It's like, you know, that's what you kind of got to do. But anyway, that's besides the point. My children would hate it at the time, but they overstill what I was teaching them with it, right? They, they overstead. And, you know, it's, it's not some great life lesson, it's just a matter of perseverance and resilience, right? And just like, you know, I'm giving you something I know you can complete, but you might not want to because it's a consequence right and you know it 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 might be enjoyable in the moment or not enjoyable in the moment but you're going to kind of get something cuz you're going to do it with me right so when you when um you're talking about you know all of this like the competition aspect of it like you going back with the youngers and teaching track and everything like you know when you're younger and you say they don't really have a concept of age you don't know how much of your younger years you take for granted right like I'm 35, I don't look it, I don't act it, you know, I don't dress it. I mean, you know, I'm I'm a fashion conscious guy, you know, I like buying my $500 sweatshirts and all of that, but, you know, that's besides the point. I don't look my age is because I do everything I can to take care of my body so I can still compete with younger people, right? But I'm also aware that I'm not 25. I said that earlier today, like the other day it rained and I woke up and I was like, my knees are killing. (laughs) <laughs> it's like, fuck. I wanted to do legs today, but my knees are not agreeing with me. So I did shoulders instead. I couldn't, man. I, like I jump over a little bit and I was like, nah, I'm a chill, man. I was like, I'm I'm gonna chill. But that competition aspect of it, that's why I say I compete with myself because like I have benchmarks. Like that's where the spreadsheets and everything kind of like that is important because you can kind of go back and say, okay, well, I did this on this day. Let me see if I can get that or something better. Right. You know, we get muscle maturity now. Like we, we might lose a couple, you know, you know, you might lose a little speed and everything like that, but you realize like now I know how fast I can put on muscle. Now I know how fast I can like, you know, how strong I am. Like I know I'm powerful right now. Like I'm super powerful. Like I was, you know, uh, cause I I got a little bit of winter, a little bit of winter fat on me. You know, I'm enjoying it. You know, I'm, I'm enjoying my Oreo cookies and everything, but, (laughs) 50-pound dumbbells don't feel the same right now. Them shits feel like 40s.
0: Mm.
1: I was was getting these 50s out. I was like, oh, power, strength,
0: gains. But, you know, that's the thing. That grown man strength, too. That grown
1: man strength, man. They don't know. Like, yo, these youths don't know, in it. Like, they don't know them things there. So, like, you know, when you show them that, they be like, oh, shit. Like, you you know, and that's also to say, it's also saving people listening to this, right? Just because you're not a professional athlete, if you're listening to this and you're performing, that doesn't mean your regular person could do what you do. Mm. Right. I'm saying it again. Just because you're not a professional athlete, that doesn't mean your average person on the street can do what you do. Like, So don't don't constantly compare yourself like the Instagram athletes and all that, because you'd be surprised at how fake that shit is. But, you know, don't compare yourself with like, oh, well, you know, there's these 18 year olds doing this Nah, What's that got to do with you?
0: And you'd be surprised that yeah, you got your eighteen-year-old athletes and the youth who you see a lot. There's a lot of eighteen-year-olds that like really can't move. <laughs> um, uh, yo, listen, there's a lot of teenagers makes, that can't really move at all.
1: That's what makes that's what makes you have to look at it and appreciate what professional athletes do, right? Like, you know, I, I, I the, the the phenomena of like you know these YouTube fighters trying to, um, these YouTube fighters. So, I just had a phone call that was super disrespectful. Um, try to call out professional fighters. And I seen the one kid just called Conor McGregor. Mm. And I'm like, yo, just because Conor McGregor losing fights doesn't mean he's going to lose to you. <laughs> <laughs> like, this doesn't mean he's going to lose to you, my nigga. Like, that's not how that works. <laughs> that's not how that works at all. It's like, you know, just because, you know, um ben roethlisberger had a terrible season it doesn't mean you can go out there and do that shit no the fuck you can't (laughs) like you're gonna have a brush for reality real quick like it was a show that used to be on called pros versus joe's i used to love that they would have like well retired athletes against your average regular person and it was not even a contest like you don't realize how special you have to be to be a professional athlete however Do not let that detract you from achieving your personal best in any endeavor that you do, right? Just because you're not a professional athlete, that doesn't mean that you can't set standards and goals for yourself and achieve them. You're just not getting paid millions of dollars to do it.
0: Yeah, there's a big range that I'm really glad you said that. Think about uh, my nephew gets caught up with this sometimes and, you know, we have to look at you know you just have to understand you when you see a professional athlete you know a professional athlete when they're 11 years old you know somebody who has the potential in our oh, society oh man come on bro in our Say society that. you Say can that. look at an 11 year old and tell oh they could get paid millions of dollars to move like you can tell that very early there's very few that, professional athletes it, that were late bloomers at like the point that they were 20 or they were 17 and now they're athletic. Very few, even if they but, were small the at 12, they were still faster. They could jump higher. They were more coordinated. They were able to predict movements and move their bodies in ways that all the other 12 year olds couldn't, even if they were the smallest person, they still stood out.
1: Let me say, let me say something. You just triggered something in me. What I, I, I mentioned again, if you're just joining us, that I was a gym teacher. Um, I didn't call my class physical education. I called it movement arts. Because we were moving. It was the art of movement. We would do like for my K through four class, I would teach martial arts as a gym class and we would do games as a reward. My five through eight kids, we would do games and then martial arts as a reward. So I, I just inverted the system. But we 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 learned the art of movement. Now the the to go about what Coach Donald just said about recognizing professional athletes at a very young age is that it's not difficult to notice a professional athlete when they're young. And uh, my strength coach used to be, you know, coach like Pop Warner football. And I remember coming to one of the practices one day, and he was talking bad to the parents. He's like, "How many of you made it to the NFL?" Shut the fuck up while I coach these kids. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> "Come through, come through, Mister Jackson, come through and say that then." But that's the thing, like, you know, LeBron James got scouted by Nike when he was in grade seven. You know, like I would tell my youth all the time in school. It's like, hey, listen, I see you dribbling this ball, and that's great. You're going into your, you know, grade ten. You're five foot seven. Let's be realistic about this basketball shit. That's not to say you can't get a scholarship, but if you was that nice, we would have known. We would (laughs) have known, especially in basketball, Mm -hmm. especially in basketball, right? You have your late bloomers. Pascal Siakam was one of them, right, from the Toronto Raptors. Uh, he, he didn't start playing basketball, I think, until he's like a junior in high school, like post secondary school, something like that, right? Uh, or secondary school. And then he, but he had that natural talent, like Coach Donald was saying. You know, professional athletes are a different thing, man. Like it's a different caliber human beings. They're literally built different than the rest of the world. They're in an echelon that is not attainable with practice and hard work. Yeah. It, it's just not <laughs> like you look at an you look at an elite level athlete in any sport. I don't care if it's, you know, if you want to call golf. Well, I don't know. Let's not call <laughs> golf. Um, tennis, you could train as hard as you want and practice even harder. And you'll probably not probably you will never, ever hold a candle to Serena Williams.
0: Ten years after she want. retires and stops training.
1: <laughs> and and Drake made a line, you know, I could probably beat Serena when she's playing with her left. No. Can't. That's a that's raps. <laughs> that's raps, my nigga. That's not real life. <laughs> right? That's not real life. You know what I mean? Like I, you know, I, I remember watching Dan Marino at, at his Hall of Fame in two was that 2005 or something like that. He lobbed the football like 25 yards to um uh to one of the Marks brothers one of his favorite receivers, even him doing that, he looked like, oh, man, Dan Marino could still throw uh, throw a football. Like, he can still do some things, this football, that would make your eyes pop out of your head, right? You look at um, some other skilled, like baseball players. Like, you know, it's not their ability to hit a ball that takes them out and makes them retire. It's a consistency of it. You put a baseball player in a batting cage or like in a slow pitch softball tournament, something like that, you're going to run out of baseballs in the first inning. So He's <laughs> like, oh man, we got to go to the store. This nigga out here showing out, right? Like professional athlete, athletics is just held in a different conversation, a different light than the rest of the world's athletics is. You look at like a soccer player like a Ronaldo or a, 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 a Massey. You know David Beckham, or you know any of these top strikers. You know from Tottenham, or you know um, Manchester, or like you know Juventus, or something like that, right? These these top level athletes that are in soccer and football, they're freaks. Yeah, they're freaks in nature. They, they 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 defy common laws, man. So that's what I'm saying. Like you know, you don't don't get caught up in comparison to them people.
0: Yeah, those it's, people it's just no matter
1: what you what do. I say this all the time, bro. If Floyd Mayweather wanted to drive NASCAR, he would have been the best NASCAR driver. There's just, it's just, you know, if, if Tom Brady, Tom Brady, and that's the thing, like, you also find out a lot of these athletes are dual sport athletes. Tom Brady got drafted by the Montreal Expos. Tom Glavin, one of the greatest left-handed pitchers of all time, got drafted by the LA Kings to play hockey. Bo Jackson, you know who Bo Jackson is. That's the full stop on Bo Jackson. Um, you know, there's... uh, uh um, why well, I can't think of his name. Um, shit, it just it just lost my mind. But it's a catcher from the Pirates who's a professional boxer in Colombia. Um, but um, but yeah, like you know that's the thing. It's like you know af- elite level athletes, they tend to be great at everything.
0: Yeah, the what sport it's they that, end up you know I mean. Oh, and it's just cultural and what they were exposed to. Oh, yeah, did that's like, like what was more fun. But you Ooh. know they found something else more fun. They could have easily did that. That kind of athletic prowess can take you a lot of different directions. And so when you you can't teach
1: that, it's just, it's a God given ability. That's it.
0: So when you think about yourself, you know, like, like Farouk was mentioned, like, don't think about that. Think about what you can do compared to you because that's a 1%, but compared to a lot of adults, you could still, if you care about comparing yourself to other adults, which some of us do, like let's let's be real, um, you there's still a wide range of things that you can outperform a lot of people. I was not a division one quality sprinter in any respect. I can still beat most 29 year olds in a hundred meter race. I can still beat most 21, 29 year olds in a 400 meter race. I can beat them in a mile. I can beat them in a 5k, I can beat them in a half marathon. Not all of them, not, you know but a fair number of your average 29 year old I'm gonna beat in pretty much every foot race but because I run a lot and I've, because I coach so much I've honed that technique. Um, there are other people, you know, if you think about somebody who cared about uh, powerlifting or being a strong man when they were younger, or even now at 40, because they own that craft and they work on that a lot, they're stronger than not only just most other 40 year olds, they're probably stronger than most other people that just walk around. And so, yes, there's those, that, that, there's that elite category, but then there's that aspect of just the people that you're going to be around outside of your training group when you walk in the general community, you can pride yourself on, I can do, I can run a half marathon better than all these other people. I could, you know, yes, I play flag football, but I could still run routes or throw the ball better than most other people that I'm going to brush shoulders with.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, I, before before this becomes long-winded, I just want to say, like, in terms of that, like, different levels of playability and different levels of what you do, right, for anybody that, that is interested in this, like, you know, take pride in the level that you compete in, right, because the moment you start comparing yourself is when you start to let, lose interest and lose fun with it, right, that's why a lot of New Year's resolutioners, like, they tend to stop by February, right, and also when you're talking about goals, make sure they're attainable, I go for the system, me personally, um, and with the people I instruct and train, celebrate the little victories, right? We have a long fight ahead of us. Like, you know, I don't, I, people trying to lose weight. So I need to lose 20 pounds. That's a lot of weight, man. That's a lot of weight. How about we talk about losing three pounds, lose three pounds, five times. And you just lost 15 pounds, right? That's the way you should approach these things incrementally. Because if you're looking at the overarching goal and you see how daunting it is, that's why people want to give up. Right. And, to, to, to bring this back to the other thing Donald was just saying about, you know, again, those levels, those classifications. I have sparring footage of myself against a lot of undefeated professional fighters and it doesn't make them look good. So, you know, plus in the martial arts community, Boston community, you tend to not put out sparring footage even if you do or are allowed to record sparring because that's sacred. That's like, you know, giving out the answers on the test. You don't do that because not only that, you jeopardize someone's livelihood and their finances. You can get someone hurt putting out sparring footage. Right. You can get so. So so that's just something we don't do. But there is a difference specifically in fighting combat sports. And it's kind of goes back to the Conor McGregor thing against Jake or Logan Paul, whatever one of the Paul brothers was. There's a difference between being a good gym fighter, someone who can go in the gym and mix it up versus a good amateur fighter versus a good professional fighter. Right. There is a huge talent gap between a professional fighter and a world champion. And you literally have no idea the talent gap. And that goes for all sports. Think about what it takes to be. Donald just said, I'm, I wasn't a D1 sprinter. You're a great high school athlete. That's why you got a scholarship, right? Whether it's D2 or D1, like still, you got an athletic scholarship. Congratulations. That's fantastic. Because college is expensive. You get to D1. And you used to being a man where you come from. But at D1, everybody's the man everybody is nice everybody's that nigga at a d1 level and then you start to see the separation of talent between the people who are that nice versus the people who are that gifted right there, and then and, and then you and, and that's the thing why people always joke about like oh well you know when the cleveland browns were bad or whomever it was like you know this universe this college team could be the professional football team no there <laughs> is not a, the only no because Think about how many people didn't make the NFL from that college team. And think about how many that from that college team are actually going to start in the NFL and make an impact. No. The worst college team or the worst professional team would take your best college team in the history and embarrass them, with the exception, maybe, of the 2000 Miami, Miami Hurricanes when they had 18 <laughs> players go in the first-round draft. That team might have beat a professional football team. <laughs> they might have beat a professional footballer. And if they would have, it would have been off like a field going overtime or something. It wouldn't have been like, you know, they'd have blown them out. But that's the thing. Like, world-class athletes are 1% of the world, less than 1%. It's elite. You can train like them. And it's a great thing to aspire to. Like ultra marathons and like, you know, CrossFit competitions and all them other things, right? That's great. But be realistic with your expectations. Your body has limits, right? All of that. There's a mental clarification and a mental gratification of performing these arduous and incredible tasks of working out, right? As it pertains to just a regular human being, right? I get very hard on myself when I don't hit my benchmarks for the week or for that day. Um, But I'm also, no, I'm only competing with myself. So sometimes I will have some additional chocolate to assuage that. Like, yeah, you did a good job. today. You deserve that chocolate. <laughs> right. Set goals for yourself. Also, make give yourself rewards because that keeps your relationship with training healthy. It keeps your relationship with your exercise and your goals attainable. And it also gives you a lot more joy than pride in what you're doing.
0: Sure. so good listeners. I hope you took good heed to that. That was uh, that was great. That was a nice little uh, chat at the end. Um, we're going to kind of close this out. I do want you to uh, think about it. I did ask that question earlier. Who's your favorite person over 50 and 60? So, listener, hopefully you can get your memory jogged. And the reason I just want to bring that up, when we talk about playing, usually that person is the funniest, most playful person of that okay. age bracket that's in your family. Like that person that they just don't grow up. Don't grow up. So when people tell you, hey, when, you, when you're when your, uh, 68-year-old uncle's like, don't get old, man don't get old like for real so there's a
1: there's a a saying that youth is wasted on the young
0: yo man if i'm still in the end of my youth and i still feel that like i look at these teenagers like bro look at all this stuff you're wasted like why are you doing give me your bones like give me your muscles give me your joints like let me be 16 again. If only i knew what i knew now But
1: um, and that's it. But that makes you that is thing. That's that's life, bro. That's it makes you appreciate getting older, and you wanted to come slower.
0: Yes, <laughs> get old slow. So yo, thank yeah, you uh, for coming on. Um, hopefully, when this whole COVID thing goes past, you. we can get back to the grind. Uh, so make sure you guys yeah, yeah, yeah. like, subscribe, and share this podcast with a friend. Find somebody who does too rigid of training and share this with them, and you know tell them you're really strong or you're really this and that, but you can't move. All right, go get in their face. Um, make sure you also follow One Hood Media on Instagram. Follow uh, Farouk Supervillain Saeed at um, Supervillain Saeed on Instagram. You can see all his uh, mm-hmm, playful mm-hmm. workout routines. Um, he's on a little blackout right now, but if you listen to this yeah. podcast later in 2021, you might see him back on there. And there's hundreds of videos on there right now. Um, thank you. Hope you guys enjoyed this show. Make sure you leave us a review. You know, we want to get more people to see this. If you are interested in what we're doing here at GHP, you can um, find me, you know, you can find this podcast at training underscore well underscore done on Instagram. You can find me at coach underscore Donald. But right now we have our ebook. It's a free ebook about, Um, 10 exercises to help eliminate knee pain, uh, running pains. So you can go check that out on our website, www.ghperformance.com. Check out the resources tab. We got plenty of stuff. And right now when this podcast gets released, it'll be just before track season is getting started. So if you have a kid or you yourself are looking to get ready for the upcoming track season, reach out to us. We have our uh, new speed performance program. We still have a few slots available that will be taking on new kids. So make sure you check that out. Um, Otherwise, we'll catch you next time on the show. Holla.